What is up? Welcome to the Crash Rhythm Play It Forward podcast. This week, we are talking about the world of singing. That's right. You might think that singing is the exact opposite of drumming, but I think you'll soon find out that we have a lot in common and we have a special guest. So stay tuned to learn more about singing. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another week of the Crash Rhythm Play It Forward podcast. Um, We took a bit of a hiatus, mostly because I was kind of busy and then I was on vacation. So that's just how it is. This week, we're talking about something pretty cool. And I have a guest with me. Technically, you're only my second guest because the other people who have been on are all Junkline members. And I don't consider them guests. I consider them family. All right. (laughs) So this is Emily DeQuano. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Oh, of course. Yeah. So uh, Emily is, this is what we're talking about this week. Super exciting. And, and I think a, an area, cause I mean, this might shock you, Emily, but 90% of the time we talk about drums on here. Oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I figured, I figured that would just blow you away. <laughs> um, so Emily is going to come in with some completely brand new information about the world of vocals. Whoa. Yeah. And maybe some musical theater. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. Cool. Yeah, definitely. That's my jam. Oh, I, I love it. And I think but I'm like really excited to tell a great friendship story about us. But before <gasps> I get to that, can uh, let's just get a little bit of background on your, um, your world. What are the things you do? What's a day? Uh, let's say not maybe right now. But like <laughs> yeah. A normal day. <laughs> a uh, normal day uh, in, in Emily's world. Sure. Well, what, what do you do? Well, I would describe myself in terms of like musician and career as like part-time conductor, part-time music teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think those things are pretty different depending on who you talk to. But um, so I conduct with the Mississauga Children's Choir and I do their two younger like formal choirs. So I do the training choir and the junior choir there, which are kids from grades one to six in two different groups. I've been doing that. Yeah, (laughs) I've been doing that for this will be my fifth year uh, doing that. And I love it so much. The kids are amazing and super funny and (laughs) excited to learn about music. And it's a wonderful organization. Uh, and then the other part of that is, uh, or like the other conductory thing that I do is I founded a Glee club for adults, which is super fun. It's called Port Credit Glee or PC Glee. And um, we've been doing that for five seasons. So like three years-ish. And then we kind of came to a screeching halt during COVID. Right, yeah. Uh, but that's like a, a community music organization. Uh, so it's very low key, but we put on a really good show if I do say so myself. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I, saw, I saw one. Remember, I came to see it. Yes, you did. I think you came to like maybe I, the first or second one. Well, I came to, it, to be fair, it wasn't really a show. It was like your like summative, whatever you, that's I don't right. know what you call it. Yeah, my capstone. Yes. Yeah, because I started Glee because it was a school project for my master's of arts in community music at Laurier. And then I had so much fun with it that I kept it going and it's grown to like almost 30 people now. It's awesome. And like when, when I went, it's just this group of people who, who it like, it, it, how do I put this? It, it's, it's like so weird to see this and be like, this was a class project Yeah. <laughs> because, and not yeah. because, not because it's weird to have projects like that because in music that is very 
normal, but it's, it was just like this group of people that were so passionate about being there and they loved it. Like you could tell how much they loved it. Yeah. Thank you. It was a cute little family. Yeah. It's like, I like to think of it as like, it's kind of taking the best parts of being in a community choir meets the best parts of being in a community theater production. Yes. So, yeah. So it's like you have the continuity of like, it's the same group of people that would, you would find in a community choir, like the regularness of it, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But then the music we're doing and the type of, um, staging that we do and stuff is not choral at all. It's all musical theater, pop, rock. We do some choral. I shouldn't say that. We've kind of, you know, be going away from the choral stuff um, because we do what the people want to do. They yes. do a little like um, when they fill out their form to register, they like write like their top five songs they're listening to or that they want to perform. And then I kind of put the set list together based on what everybody wants to do. And we go from there. I mean, very community music. Yes, very much so. And like, I lead it in terms of like, I teach everybody the music for the most part. Sometimes my accompanist will take like a sectional or whatever and like teach a couple of the things or Dylan will, my husband will do some uh, D money, D money, formerly known as, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) not formerly, formally. I I discovered very recently that James and I are the only people who call him D money. I love that. I do too. I do too. It makes it, it makes it special because then I, you know, it's not like I talk to him every day. So whenever we do kind of rekindle our friendship, I think it's just a little spark that he It is. He does. Dylan loves it very much. Almost like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Almost just like, oh, I almost forgot that I was called that. Right. And by, you know, by no means did I invent calling a Dylan D money. so. (laughs) So it's really not that special, but yeah. It's still very cool. No, it's yeah. awesome. And and like yeah, like the community music, like we said, when I went and you were kind of talking about the the glee club and you know how it worked and you know everybody picks their own kind of chooses the the set list and stuff like that. Like that's mm-hmm. you know, it's the same when it when we're talking about teaching kids and having them kind of you know, I I feed my curriculum through their interests and it keeps them engaged and you know, the, your group is a no audition situation, right? Anybody yep. who wants to join, joins. Mm-hmm. And when you have people like that who are just kind of starting out music, if they're going to be singing music that they don't want to sing, then that's not really fun. Totally. Yeah. And it's so funny it. because we have like in Glee, I could talk about Glee for literally forever. It's like my oh, favorite thing nice. in the world. <laughs> Love it. It's a, it's such a range of people. Like we have like some, I think our youngest member that we had like just turned 20 or something. Like Mm -hmm. he was like really young. Um, So, you know, he, for his, like, you don't have to do an audition, but you do like, um, like, I want to hear you sing on your own so that when I'm doing the set list, I can put people like place people's voices accordingly. And he did, I forget the song, but he sang like a Beyonce song, Ooh, get it. like in his own, in the original key, like he like oh. accompanied himself on the guitar. I forget what it was, Ooh, but it was like, oh my God, this is the best thing in my life. And then another guy who um, his like assessment song or whatever was a song that is from Mean Girls, the musical that one of the okay. girls sings. And I was like, this is why like Glee is just the best because like everybody can just do like, yeah, this song suits me. It's written for like a teenage white girl, but I'm going to sing it. I'm like a fully grown like man. And this this is like, uh, just with me, it's pretty much the exact same thing where I can rarely play or sing along to a song that's sung by a female. (laughs) Right? Yeah. (laughs) You rock that low harmony. I got to do it. I got to do it. I got to go low. (laughs) 
<laughs> I I've said to people like when I was a kid, I learned how to harmonize because most songs were too high pitched for me. So I would just learn how to harmonize. Like, totally. And- yeah, I mean that's such a, a amazing skill to have, and it's it's a rare one. Like so many people are like, I can only sing the melody. I can't sing anything else, and then it becomes a problem where they're like it's actually more common that people will be like, I have to sing soprano. I have to. Oh yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm like Oh, okay. Is it because like you're a soprano or is it because <laughs> you want to sing the melody? <laughs> is it like, because you can actually sing those notes or yeah, exactly. Which is so funny. Like whatever, like choose your own adventure. That's like what Glee <laughs> is all about. Like we put people into voice parts, but I always say, I'm like, if this is not working for you, like just find a note that fits. Yeah, <laughs> It'll yeah. be fine. But like, that's what it is, right? Like there, it, it's like, it is like you said, a choose your own adventure, but also it's like, who, who cares if we follow the rules? That's totally. not the point. I yeah. love that. I love that. And like, I come across that all the time myself. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not about like, I remember like when I was in my community uh, music degree, like Lee would always say like, it's not about like, erasing mistakes it's about like finding your way through them and i'm just like lee willingham just speaking to me hit the nail on the head yeah it's so true not everyone's journey is the same so like Mm -hmm. why do we teach them the same yeah for sure preach (laughs) um can i can i share my my friendship story oh my god yes i mean you know it but uh (laughs) i i think so just to so emily and i met in at university in first year Uh um because we were both first years and like, you know, like one of the first kind of like people that really I, I met outside of the studio for me, at least. And we, uh, we kind of shared our love of Joseph the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Oh my God. <laughs> right. And like, that was because I, I remember we were going around and like, we were, I think we were at like a friend's house or something. And we were just like going around the living room and it was like me and I think it was like me and like Devin and maybe like Darcy and, and then but like a bunch of vocalists were there. And you guys all went around and said, like, your dream role. Okay. Like, I would love to, like, sing this. I would love to sing this. And, like, people were going uh-huh. around. And I remember you said a few. And I can't remember what they were. But then you I'm said. I'm sure I said a few. I'm sure I oh, talked yeah, yeah. for 10 minutes straight. About <laughs> <it>. <laughs> you may have. You, you, between you and Mel, it was like, there was, like, yeah, a whole, like, repertoire list. But one of the things you said was the narrator from Joseph. And I was like, oh, my God. I love Joseph. It's my favorite musical. Like, that's so awesome. Fast forward. <laughs> How, how many years later? I don't know. When like you... three years later. I, I did that role when I was in university. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's right. You did it when like fourth year maybe. And yeah. naturally she books it. So uh, car, a car load of us went down to, to go see it. And yeah. like we were, I was sitting, I was sitting next to the aisle and, or one away from the aisle. And the woman on the aisle was this like older woman. And we were sitting next to each other. And I just can be like, yeah, that's my friend. My friend's playing the narrator. And she was just like, oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> and then, like, I, like, went at the end of the first half, that, become a star, da, 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 da. <laughs> and I was just, like, it was me, it was David, it was Shannon, and I feel like there was a fourth person with us. Mel? Was, was Mel that there? Mel. It might have been Mel, yeah. Anyways, and we were just like, woo! <laughs> it was like we were at a football game. <laughs> and it was great. And I love that. And it, it just, it's like my, one of my favorite musicals. And I could never sing the narrator part ever. Not that I would ever be in a musical, but still. I mean, girl, you would crush some musicals. Absolutely. I, I'm much more of a Joseph role. <laughs> <laughs> but every time, every time I would like, every time I listen along to the soundtrack, I'm always like, Could? no, not happening. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that show four times. Wow. In my it. life. 
twice, no, once as a child, once as a teenager, once as the narrator, and once as like random wife. <laughs> <laughs> so like you were in the chorus of like the kids. Yes. Yeah, love that. Yeah. So great. It was actually one of the first musicals I took my cousins to go see. Nice. Um, and they're like much younger than me. Um, and, and, you know, my mom and I took them and we're just like, oh, it'll be fun. Cause there's like, there's kids on stage. Yeah. <laughs> like, kids love, love watching kids on stage. It's such a like eye opener to them. Cause they are, you know, kids are so used to seeing ki- like just adults on stage if they've even seen anything on stage. But when oh, yeah. they see like, oh, that kid is like me, like that's a kid up there doing their thing. Like, well, oh, I could I mean, do that. I will say that my one cousin has done music theater, theater ever since. Amazing. So there you go. And she was the Cheshire Cat in Alice in Wonderland. Love that. Oh, I did Alice in Wonderland with my camp kids last oh, summer. There you go. And then her most recent one. Who, oh, she was... Um, oh, I'm making this up. I feel like I'm making this up. <laughs> oh, no. She was... Um, oh, the, I was going to say Wendy and Peter Pan. That's not right. The, um, the, the girl, I can't remember her name, in Mary Poppins. Uh, Jane Banks? Jane, probably. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Nice. Yeah. So there you have it. Okay, great. Well... Um, now that we've just like chit chatted, <laughs> really gotten down to it. And this is the thing is like Emily and I hung out a few days ago and we, we, we could still talk about a million things, really. <laughs> it's, it, it's so easy to get lost in conversation with someone who loves music, loves educating, loves community music, working with kids, thinking outside the box. Yeah. We, could talk, we could talk to the cows come home, <laughs> but um, let's get down to some some nitty gritty stuff. People who have listened to the podcast before know that I love debunking myths. I think it's the best way to, to learn. So we're going to talk about some myths of the vocal world. All right. I have a few that I might just piggyback off of you, but. Um, oh my gosh, totally. Yeah. I've asked Emily to prepare a few. So let's get right into it. Myth All right. One. Okay. Well, these are like, I know this is maybe not brand new information for singers, but for people who are not singers, uh, this might be interesting stuff. So like there's a common, I don't know, belief in the music-y singing world that like it's kind of an old school belief that like people have to study classical music in order to have a solid background or foundation or technique or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. in singing. And I just don't think that's the case. <laughs> I, wish, I wish you could see my face right now. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like sing it, sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a really rough time with that in university, like yep. only singing like classical, romantic, like, you know, old white men music. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I just had a rough time with that. And I was like, you know, I, I feel like I could be singing other genres of music really well with really great technique. I don't have to be singing this type of repertoire to get the point across. And uh, I often do that with my students. Like a lot of my students are, like I said, they're like between grades one to, I would say grade eight. I, I have a couple of high school students who have like very specific goals of like mm. getting into a music school, like for university. So I am working on classical with them, but uh, most people don't necessarily want to accomplish that. And I'm still teaching them like excellent technique through other right. genres. Absolutely. And I, I remember having this conversation with um, uh, Glenn Crothers, who's the Dean of music at Laurier mm-hmm. and greatest dude ever. Lovely. Lovely man. And he, uh, his first year at Laurier was our first year. Yes. And the community music program came in 
when we were like, was it our fourth year or the year after something like that. And I had a conversation with him and I was just like, yeah, this community music program sounds awesome. Like, you know, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, it's great because it gives people the opportunity who, you know, want to ex- want to like, you know, um, um, <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for? Like Not progress. Like learn. <laughs> what is the word I'm looking for? <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm really good at English too. <laughs> Anyways, but like just who want to like continue a music education, but don't want to um, do the classical side. And he was like providing examples, like, you know, someone who um, only plays the electric bass, right? right? Someone who is only focusing on electronic music, mm-hmm. right? S- stuff like that. And I was like, oh my gosh, almost like somebody who only focused on marching snare drum <laughs> <laughs> and came in and was not very good at mallet instruments, right? And he was like, yeah, a little too late, unfortunately. I'm like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and exact I- same thing for me. Like I, if I, it's a community music degree, like the undergrad had been an option, Mm-hmm. Like 1000%, that would have been me. I would have been there for sure. Same. Absolutely would have done it. Yeah. Well, and, and that's great. I love that because like you said, and we both come from a very community music mindset, but um, that, 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 that applies to like everyone, right? And I think vocalists for sure have that, you know, when you think of, oh, I went to school for, for like, you know, to be a vocalist and people are like, oh, so like just opera, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I literally laugh because I'm like, I think I may be saying like, two arias from actual operas the whole time I was there and like I remember I tried to sing I got I don't even know what it was I tried to sing some aria because I thought that's what was like appropriate in first year university and literally my teacher was like thank you so much we're just gonna (laughs) tuck that away (laughs) okay thank you yeah thank you so much thank you that's awesome Um, So I, we did like just a lot of art song that I was like, how many, you know, daffodils or tulips can I sing about until I like lose my mind? Yeah, true that. <laughs> wow, true that. I, lo- <laughs> I love that. Okay, so maybe not this direction for you. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Hilarious. <laughs> that was like with me and, and like Dave, the, um, our studio instructor. And uh, he'd be like, so like, what are we working on this week? And I'd be like, um, I'm thinking multi-perk. And he's like, no, Hillary, no, not again. <laughs> I'm like, okay. All right. Marimba. And he's like, yes, that's what we're working on this week. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Timpani, if you're good. Okay. Aww, a, reward. a reward. Yeah, I, yeah. I would like, like sneak in a couple of like more contemporary operetta. And when I say operetta, operetta is still like 1800 so like we're not it's not that contemporary but then I would try to sneak in a few like musical theater pieces that were still in the classical genre so more like Sondheim Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or you know things like that and it was just a gong show every time like first of all like god lover the accompanist was just like what is this (laughs) (laughs) never seen it before right right it was just a hot mess every time and I was like oh yikes you're so, like, yeah, true that. <laughs> yeah, but I would still do like, you know, the same technique would be applicable. It's, it just was, yeah, not the right time for me at Laurier, I feel like. Yeah, I, I feel that. Yeah, I mm-hmm. agree with that. I mean, amazing school, don't get me wrong. I love totally. it. I my time there. So yeah, if, fun. I mean, I stay, I stuck it out for all four years, right? And then I went back for two more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was a great place. It was just like a little, at the time when we were there, it was a little bit like, hard borders and now I feel like it's like more soft and I I wonder if that is more of a vocal specific thing right because obviously I mean the community music thing aside 
um, like percussion in general is a bit looser, but Mm -hmm. that is because I believe because we are stretched so thin with the things that we need to work on. Right. So, Mm. um, like, you know, similarly to like different genres or even languages, right? Like that's, sorry, that might be one of your myths. I like that one a lot. Yeah. Maybe I'll just leave that. I'll shelf that one. But (laughs) But with, you know, with percussion, we have to learn uh, proper technique on the snare, on the timpani, on the marimba, on the vibraphone and the xylophone, which are different. Um, mm-hmm. uh, drum set, that wasn't really mandatory. But, you know, and the stuff like uh, all the auxiliary instruments like tambourine and triangle and cymbals, those were the three that had the most technique required. Right. Uh, and it, it was just like, nobody is going to be good at everything. Right. And that's the same with like you're kind of saying, like nobody's going to be and not everyone is going to be an opera singer. Mm-hmm. That's just not everyone's thing. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, myth number two. Okay. Uh, Kind of piggybacking off of this one. Mm -hmm. um, Another like old school belief kind of related to classical music is the world of belting. And I said, belting is not a crime. (laughs) (laughs) I love this. So for me, like, uh, I've been really trying to like do my research over the past couple of years, probably since I started like third or fourth year at Laurier, I tried to get really a lot more into like the science of singing and vocal pedagogy and like how Mm -hmm. the body works with singing. Whereas I had no idea what I was doing to get the sounds that I was creating before. Like, cause singing, maybe this is the same with percussion. I'd be curious to know, but like for singing, it's so much, um, like so many teachers use like very loose abstract terminology and imagery to get singers to create the sounds that they're producing. Yes. Um, like people really don't talk a lot, at least in my experience growing up, people didn't really talk to me about like where my tongue placement was or like how to release jaw tension or like what my, my muscles were doing in, in my lungs. And like, there's a school of thought that's like, don't overload people with information or else they're just going to start like trying to overcorrect and things. Right. But like, I'm always like, no, I want to know what's going on. Like, that's so interesting. And like, so important to me to know how my body is creating these sounds. Um, But yeah, anyways, back to like belting. (laughs) So people are saying like, people will say that like belting is like unhealthy because they're thinking of belting as like Ethel Merman, just like screaming from the hilltops (laughs) and like, yeah, not it's not always like that sometimes people do that but it's not always like that and there's definitely ways that you can create that loud brassy like passionate sound in really healthy and like uh long-term ways and it's like that to me feels like one of the reasons why if you're taking um singing seriously that you should have an instructor or a teacher Totally. you won't know those things, mm-hmm. but they yeah, will. Exactly. And like people, some, it's funny, like people can be like just naturally like amazing singers a lot right. of the time and create amazing belting sounds with having zero training at all. And then there's other people that will try to emulate that sound that they hear on the radio or in their favorite Broadway cast recording or whatever. And they're just like pushing, they're doing all the wrong things. They're not singing in a way that will promote like, like lifelong singing. They're just producing uh, a feeling to get a sound. They're not like, you know what I mean? Like they're not working with what they have to make a healthy sound, I guess. So there's definitely ways that you can have that powerhouse 
voice that's a healthy way, like that's a, in a healthy way and uh, that you can continue to do for a long time. Absolutely. I think yeah. that's great. And um, just kind of like what you're saying with, uh, with knowing everything that's happening is that's something that to me is um, crucial if you're a teacher, because you're going to come across a bunch of different bodies with a bunch of different ways that they sing and problems that they have. And like, you know, it's one thing obviously to know your situation and your yeah. vocal cords and your lungs and tongue, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you're dealing with everybody else's lungs and vocal cords and tongues. Yeah. So you need to be able to know all those things if you're going to teach. And it's similar in drumming. Yeah. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. And like, there's obviously with like younger kids, I'm not going to be talking to them about the way that they're right. <laughs> whatever works. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's going to go in one ear and out the other. It's not productive, but like with my older students uh, who are taking music like quite seriously and who are able to comprehend these like different concepts. Like I definitely talk to them about what their bodies are doing or like what, when they're doing something in a poorly uh, produced manner, like if they're, they're squeezing or they're really tight or they're pushing. Like I talk to them about like what you're actually doing to your voice. Like, although it doesn't hurt you right now, over time, if you keep doing that, it will hurt you in this way and blah, 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 stuff like that. Absolutely. And it, if I can piggyback off that. Yeah. My thing that well, it's not really a myth. It's more of a fun fact um, is that with vocalists, something that I kind of learned being at university and being around people who were, you know, constantly training in the vocal arts. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that right? Sure. <laughs> it's funny that you say the word vocalist. Like I like never would be like, I'm a vocalist. Like, oh, you know what? It's funny. Cause every time I say it, I'm like, this feels weird. Yeah. I would just say singer. singer. Like, okay. I'm a, if, I would. Yeah. <laughs> in my mind, in my mind, when I say um, singer versus vocalist to me, sounds like drummer versus percussionist, uh, which, which apparently it's not is what you're saying. But in my mind, like, I'm like, you know, someone who has trained in the vocal arts would maybe prefer to be called a vocalist to a singer because I would prefer to be yeah, called maybe. a percussionist. But right. To each their I own. Never, I've never even thought about it like that. Interesting. That's or it's like when people say drama versus theater. Like yes. Things like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like some people get offended by it, you know? So, I mean, who Oh, knows? yeah. I mean, not like you and I, you or I are that kind of person. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, anyways. Um, yeah, so the thing that the fun fact is that uh, it makes sense when you say it out loud. But um, for vocalists, their body, your body, for singers, your body is your instrument. Mm-hmm. And the the amount of care that is given to like a trumpet or a drum Mm -hmm. in your case is you have to take care of yourself yes and I know that there is a lot of like obviously vocal warm-ups but every instrument warms up but like stretching and um correct me if I'm wrong but I feel like I've heard on multiple occasions like like dietary restrictions and like um avoid this and avoid this oh that's a good that's a good one okay so I did it. I did it. <laughs> you did your homework. You did. Yes. Good girl. Gold star. Um, so for, in terms of dietary things, there definitely are certain things that can make you feel certain ways about your voice and about, it's more about, um, I don't know, like, it's like more about the throat. It's not really about the voice box itself. Like it's not really about your larynx or your pharynx or like, your actual vocal production that's happening. It's more about above that right Mm. before the food passes into the esophagus. So for example, if you are having a lot of alcohol or coffee 
or tea, things that are high in caffeine or alcohols that will dry you out. Um, right. It won't actually dry out your like voice. So when people say like, I can't have, it's just a, it's a way of thinking about it. Like it's not actually affecting your vocal production, but it's affecting the things around it that make singing a little bit more uncomfortable or okay. a little less freeing. So like if you have a very dry voice, uh, that's going to show itself in like, like dry mouth or, you know, a dry throat because you've been drinking not enough water or too much alcohol, things that are drying you out, blah, blah, blah. So those kinds of dietary things definitely do have like a, a direct impact, right. but just not on the actual voice itself, if that makes sense. Okay. No, that's interesting. I, I, I remember, and I can't, I can't remember who it was, but I had a conversation with someone at university who was, who was a vocalist and they uh, had a cold. And I yeah. said to them like, oh, like bummer. That means you can't, you know, do this or, you know, you like, what's the, what's the point of even being on campus? <laughs> Go home. <laughs> yeah. Basically I was like, well, can, like you can't do your lessons. Right. And you can't do this and this. And she was like, no, I still can. And yeah. I, was just, I, 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 there was a part of me that was like, no, there's no way. Like it the sound of your voice when you're talking is not, doesn't sound like you. So how could you sing? And they're like, oh, it's just totally different. I was like, whoa. Yeah. I mean, it's all related. Like speaking and singing are obviously the closest related things to each other, like, you know, but, um, it just depends what, what part of you is sick. Like if you have like the sniffles or something or a stuffed up nose, that's not really going to affect your actual voice. It's going to affect your resonance because you won't have as much space in there. It's kind of gross to think about, but you <laughs> won't have as much space in there to like, for the sound to be resonating. It's going to feel okay. like plugged and like, uh, dampened almost like, if you had something up there or like but it's, a, but it's not like a waste of a rehearsal. No, definitely not because you can still be working on your other technique. It's just sometimes I remember my teacher saying sometimes that it was good to sing through like that because you could really feel again, this is gross. <laughs> you can feel if your resonance is at its like peak, because if you're feeling that pressure in your nose, if you're like, it's a good um, like litmus test almost. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if you're feeling like a ton of pressure, you're probably putting too much or you're forcing it out too hard through your nose and trying to get that like like bright ringy sound like through much right like, right. Through much but if you're not like feeling, old time radio, yeah. <laughs> what do you say? Um, <laughs> but if you're not feeling that pressure, it's meaning that you're probably too chest dominant or that you're not uh, you're not ringing enough. So it's kind of it's interesting to kind of sing through that like cold feeling to as long as there's nothing happening with your actual throat like laryngitis don't sing through that like you know if you have a super bad cough or strep throat like that's no bueno right but, right but if it's just like a, a stuffy nose or allergies or something you can definitely you know use it as a check-in point kind of thing that's fun i mean i i get i totally get that it's almost like you can qualify your like it's a scale like you can measure your own yeah a little bit yeah, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. All right. Well, I mean, hit us with myth number three. I think we're just, I think we're learning so much. I'm learning a lot. <laughs> um, I can imagine most of anyone who's listening to this is going to be like, no way. Well, I mean, and again, there's always like, you know, some people might be like, oh my God, belting is so bad. Like, get out of here. Like, yeah, it's terrible. There's definitely people who think that and that's like, fine. Like, don't teach belting then. That's fine. L live your life. Uh, but, you know, these are just some little opinions yeah. slash I think well, are facts, facts, opinions, whatever. Yeah, fa <laughs> fa fact, opinions. 
Tractinian. Oh, I love it. Oh. Opax. Opax. Oh, no, I hate that one. No, both are bad. Both are bad. <laughs> okay, so my last one is more like uh not really like a myth or anything. It's just something like a trend that I've okay. noticed in voice teaching that I wish would stop. Oh, <laughs> hot take. It's a hot take. Exactly. Emily's hot takes. Hot takes. Okay. Uh, there's a theme song. Yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> if we could work on a theme song for the podcast later, that'd be great. <laughs> oh my God. 1000%. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So here's my hot take. It is please teach vocal students to read music and not just be an echo. <sighs> Wow. This yeah. is a hot take. It is a hot take. I feel you and I will be um, really agreeing on. So please continue. Yeah, girl. I just feel like, uh, I mean, I used to do this all the time when I was like, I started teaching younger students when I was in high school. And now I look back and I'm like, <laughs> like, what was I friggin' doing? Like, who gave me the right? <laughs> to- <laughs> Like, I had no idea what I was doing. And like, I literally was just teaching kids songs. Like I was just being like, okay, and then it goes like this, la la la. Like, that's not to me, that's not a fulfilling musical experience. Um, And you're not like, I just feel like um, there's such a difference, I feel like with learning to sing versus learning an instrument, because with an instrument, you have to learn technique. There's no way around it. It's it's not natural right. for someone to just like pick up a violin and be perfect at it. Like it's not going to happen. But with singing, people everybody sings. Everybody sings exactly. Yeah. So it's it sometimes can be challenging for people to be like, okay, why am I like spending so much time like singing, you know, a five note scale here? And like slightly changing it or whatever. Cause you're like, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm singing. It's happening. Right. But it's like, no, 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 Like we have to work on our technique. And then that also um, works to the like musical literacy side of it too. Because when you're learning an instrument, you're not learning words. So you are learning notes. Like this sounds so silly, but like you're obviously learning notes when you're singing too, but you're learning words. So it's easy for people to ignore the musical literacy side of it and just say like, okay, the words are whatever the words are and then just sing it and, and echo back. Whereas that's not an option with when you're learning an instrument, you're like, okay, here's the rhythm. Here's what it looks like. Or here's the notes. Here's what we're going to play. And it just bothers me that singing a lot of the time isn't given that same importance to musical literacy as like other musicians are given absolutely because it creates like it creates this like world of um I think it's better now but I remember like when I was in high school I went to an art school and I was like a vocal major there Mm -hmm. and there was this like uh I guess stereotype or whatever that none of the singers could read music and I fully fell into that stereotype like I was I didn't read music until I was in high school grade nine grade ten like I was in a choir. I was in the Mississauga Children's Choir for right. four years of my life, and I still didn't know how to read music. Really, like I knew, like if the no- if the little black dots are going up, I'm probably going to go up. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> like you can. There's there is a logical aspect to music, totally reading, for sure. But yes, yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, there would be you know times where, like, I I would just have to figure it out by myself, like not not having any method. 
to figuring out this song or this exercise that I had to prepare for school. And then I started taking private voice lessons and we worked on sight reading and, and theory. And I would just got such a more, a greater appreciation for music. And the biggest thing for me about that is it creates independence. And I think that's like such a huge thing with being a musician is that you have to be independent. You can't rely on somebody else to teach you like how it goes. Like that drives me crazy. That is like so accurate because, um, and we're kind of going through something. Well, we actually, um, the other uh, drumline instructors and I are, we're just having this conversation like last week about how we have members in the drumline who work really hard mm-hmm. and who um, have, have the skills, right? And they're picking up everything that we're throwing at them, but their music reading might not be that great. So their independent work at home isn't really happening. Right. And they're unable to then like bring the product to drumline where we just grease the wheels. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're not, we're not really teaching so much as we're fixing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like we're, we're starting, we just started this week actually, and we're doing a, Music reading Mondays. So every Monday, I'm going to post a video about a new aspect of reading music. That's awesome. But but that's exactly what it is, right? Is that independence. You're so right. Is you want them to be able to... And also, if you can't read music, but you're in a situation like a choir or a drumline where you are required to read music, Mm -hmm. then that becomes very, like, um, deterred. Like, you're deterred from doing it. Yeah. Very disheartening, right? Mm-hmm. If you're at home thinking, okay, so my work this week is I'm going to work on figures A to B. So I'm going to, uh, and here I go, and I've got it up on my stand, and I have no clue what that says. So what am I going to do now? Exactly. Yeah. It makes you feel better. For sure. And like, it's that's like a hot take, I guess, in the world of like community music, because, sure. but I think they're very different things. Like, if you're, if you're studying to be proficient on an instrument, you, you're going to want to be able to read music to then enhance your community music experiences. Or if you start in community music where it's kind of more of a sound before sight type of approach, I feel like there's comes to a point where there's only, you can only get so far. Absolutely. And that. I think th- there is a relationship between those two things, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like you need both, but I, I think the the main thing that should be taken away from that is like, you don't need to read music to make music. Totally. That's kind of like the bottom line, right? Is I will not tell you to stop making music because you don't know how to read music. Absolutely. Like that is, that's kind of, to me, that's the community music thing mm-hmm. is you can still participate. You can still be a part of it. I'm not going to tell you not to do one of the best things that exists on the planet <laughs> because you can't read music. And yeah. I, can't, I, I don't think it was Lee. Uh, and I'm going to be upset with myself because I'm forgetting the guy's name who was at the... Oh, you know what? I think he wrote the book with Lee. And the book's right here. Let me look. Oh, <laughs> Lee. It's another Lee. It's a Lee. Lee Higgins. Yep. <laughs> Lee Higgins. There you go. And at the community music conference, and I think the analogy he used was just because, like, I can't speak or read um, Italian doesn't mean I can't make spaghetti. Totally. Right? Like, I can still make... I don't need to be able to read a recipe to make food. Uh-huh. Or like make just because I'm not Gordon Ramsay doesn't mean I can't make dinner. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's and that's that's kind of the same thing for music. And I love that analogy and I use it all the time because. Yeah. But you're right. If you want to get better, if you want to become serious with your music, if you want to be independent with your music making, of course, reading music is going to help. Mm-hmm. And 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 I you said like I would argue it is kind of mandatory. You you can only get to a certain point. Yeah, it's just like the, with the cooking analogy. If you, you know, if you're making spaghetti for, you know, X amount of years and you're like, hmm, I'd really like to 
you know, up my game make, a little I really bit. Wanna, I really want to make a frittata now. Yeah, you might have to learn about how to bake a frittata, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh, yeah maybe, so yeah. those are my little, my little myths or hot takes, I guess. Hot I take. Like hot take. I feel like you <laughs> Emily's hot takes. You're <laughs> really hitting the nail on the head here with these. I feel great about it. Thanks, pal. Did you have any others that like you wanted to talk? Like you said, you had a couple like myths or things that you wanted to address as well. Um, the one that I wanted to talk about was the, the exercising and the um, colds. So I'm glad we got that. And actually, I found a way to segue it in beautifully. So that was great. <laughs> um, and I did have another one. Yeah. Um, but I feel like we also talked about it. And I'm trying to, well, we, I think we danced around it really with like the classical and then like the music theater. Cause it really is a community music thing. Right. Okay. So, so I think we've, I think we've covered it, honestly, like that's super exciting. I think a lot of people, um, and I said this to your campers at the, uh, Mississauga choir camp, children's choir camp. Yep. And that is that I think singers <laughs> and, and drummers, like we are often, um, we have our very own set of rules and our very own kind of culture that's separated from the rest of the instrumentalists. Yes. Yes. Um, I agree. I think people often think that that might make us opposites, but, or that we are opposites, but I think there is a lot that we have in common because we kind of are our own beast mm-hmm. and we, we have our own things that other vocalists might not fully or other vocalists, sorry, other instrumentalists might not have to do, might not have to go through, not to say that they don't have their own things as well, um, that make them unique, but in general, brass and woodwinds and strings can have a lot more in common than maybe percussion and vocals. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. And so because of that, um, it's fun to be different. Yeah. Right? Totally. Drummers. Okay. Vocalist. <laughs> Yay. Percussionist. Singers. <laughs> Every- <laughs> Everyone. Um, so we end every podcast by saying um, what we're listening to right now. So what I'll just oh. ask you then is just to give me your honest opinion on the new Taylor Swift album. <laughs> oh my gosh. I have not listened at all. I knew you were going to say that. I've already um, managed my expectations. I had a feeling. <laughs> so I had a feeling you were going to say that. Uh, my best friend is a diehard Taylor Swift fan and we were at the cottage this week. So uh-huh. it's all um, you were listening to. Yeah. <laughs> but the short, the short answer is yeah. <laughs> but I would say it is a great listen. Um, I think that it's very, it's a very mellow, very alternative vibe. Not cool. a lot of radio, not a lot of radio bangers. Okay. Yeah. So it's definitely, that sounds a good like time. more of my vibe then. Can I tell you a funny Taylor Swift story? Uh, yes. Okay. So, uh, Dylan and I, and a group of our friends that we D-money. met D money. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that was so rude. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a bunch of our friends that we, uh, have met through community theater and who have continued with us in Glee who are really, really close friends of ours now. Uh, We went to New York City last year in the summertime. And one of the things we booked to do was to go to Studio 50, or sorry, wait, is it called Studio 54? Yeah. 54 Below, something like that. Anyways, it's like the, it's like a piano bar where they do performances and you eat and it's like a, a Broadway, like classic thing to do. Sounds incredible. So, we booked this place and it, it was Broadway sings Taylor Swift. And I was like, okay, I'm not a Taylor Swift fan, but I'm a Broadway fan. So I'm going into this thinking like, okay, we are setting ourselves up for some incredible covers. We're going to have amazing singers. Like 
sign me up. I can't wait to hear Shake It Off acoustic. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> gotcha. yeah. I, I was ready. <laughs> no, that is not what my experience was. We went the week that her album last summer dropped, the one with the hearts. I forget. I think it's called Lover. Lover, yeah. So we were there the week that it dropped. So the whole city was Taylor Swift crazy. Yeah. We're in the line for to get in, and everyone is like – 21 years old yeah. with the tie-dye shirt or they've dressed up like Taylor Swift. They've got the heart sunglasses or the heart like tattoo painted on their face, like the whole nine yards. And I'm like, what am I doing here? <laughs> we get in and like the first like two songs, I would say people were like listening to and like the singers were absolutely incredible. And I was like, this is fabulous. Great. And then, and then I don't even remember what song it was, but a, some poor soul made some poor performer made the grave error of being like, sing it with me. And that invitation lasted for the next two (laughs) hours. And I was like, stop. (laughs) Like everyone in the place was just screlting their faces (laughs) off screaming. (laughs) Oh my God. And Dylan and I are just sitting there like, what is that? And our friends were like really big T Swift fans. So they were living for this. They were right, loving right, right. everything. <laughs> and Dylan and I are like, we don't know a single word. <laughs> Get that is hilarious. <laughs> that is hilarious. I, my, my relationship with Taylor Swift is very, um, it's very up and down. Um, Fearless was uh, an anthem to my high school years. I love that album. Is that okay? You got to give me like a few songs that are on there. Oh, Forever and Always. That's like one Ooh. of my favorites. What? Not a clue. Hold on. I'm the looking acoustic, at a fun. The acoustic version is really my favorite. Okay. Okay. I know of that album. I know 15, Love yeah. Story, You Belong With Me. And that's it. Oh, wait. <laughs> I think I know The Best Day. Is The Best Day about her mom? Yes. Okay. I know that one. That one's great. Um, Fear or uh, Forever and Always is great, and Breathe has Colby Calais, and that's like probably my other favorite one. Nice, great harmonies, great campfire harmonies. Well, we love we love yeah. singers with harmonizing. You know, a girl. That's great. But yeah, it's been up and down. This new one's pretty good. I liked Lover, but this new one is also pretty, pretty, pretty solid. Cool. So that's what I mean. That's all I've been listening to because I didn't have a choice. <laughs> all right, but I enjoyed it. Nice. There you have it. Well, I think we've um, educated and enthused and engaged once again. Yeah, girl. Oh, wait, do I have to say what I've been listening to? Or oh, yeah. It's... Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm like, wait, I, it's, all I said was that it wasn't. Well, it wasn't Taylor <laughs> Okay, well, really quick, I've been listening to, I'm just looking at my Spotify list right now to see what have I even been listening to. I've been listening to, uh, oddly enough, uh, Dolly Parton. Love it. <laughs> Lately. But but more of like her her older country, like her coat of many colors or the light Joseph. of a clear blue morning. Not Joseph. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Slightly a different departure. Got it. Uh yeah. And the Whale and Jennies do some really good covers of some Dolly Parton songs. And there if you like female harmonies, listen to the Whale and Jennies. Love it. Big Dixie oh. Chicks fan. Oh yeah. Uh, the chicks, do you mean? Because Sorry. they're woke the now chicks. and they're awesome. Because <laughs> they're woke now. Yeah, the chicks. They are. I, and I'm going to say it. They are badass chicks. Yo, Natalie Maines, like, oh, I love yeah. her so much. Yeah, badass. I would follow them to the ends of the earth. Yep. Well, 
Great All job, right. Emily. Once again, I think we did another, uh, just produced another great podcast. <laughs> Yay. Well, this so, is my first time podcasting. So thank you very much for having me. It's a blast. And also, if I could be completely transparent with you, really refreshing to have a woman on. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. <laughs> so great news. Girl power. Waha. Whoa, what is that? Waha. Waha. I just said. Waha. 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 Well, well, you know what? We're going to workshop that and put it into our theme song. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for listening, everyone. And uh, actually, believe it or not, we're probably going to see you sooner than a week away. I've got another podcast coming up this week. So that's exciting. Sweet. Double header. All right. Thanks again, Emily. Thank you. And bye. Bye. Well, that is it. Thank you for joining us for another week of the Play It Forward podcast. Uh, As you just heard, this week's kind of different. We're going to be dropping two podcasts. So uh, check us out on the weekend and listen to a podcast with James D and I talking about rehearsal etiquette. What is it? Why do you need to know about it? (laughs) Well, I guess you're just going to have to wait and find out. Uh, Also remember to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Read our blog on our website, which is crashrhythm.ca. And tell your friends about the podcast because uh, it's educational, it's engaging, and it's a little goofy. So what more do you want? All right. Bye, everybody.